Michael McMullen. This is the World Snooker Tour podcast, where this week the guest is Hamad Mia. Hamad, welcome along. Thank you for having me. I was just having a look before we started there, and I couldn't believe you're only 29, because it feels like you've been around forever, and you've been on the <laughs> tour now for almost 10 years. Yeah. But before we get to that, tell us about your amateur background. I was pretty much a late starter, and uh, I started playing maybe when I was around 11, 11-ish. I started playing competitive, like junior competitions when I was around 15. Um, and yeah, I just, obviously, with the, with the uh, junior background, you have to go through like regionals and qualify for the, basically, the higher tour. And I started winning a few of them, qualified for the, the premier tour, I think it was back in the day. Started winning a few of them, then, yeah, that's, that's it. I didn't, to be honest, I didn't play in many uh, amateur competitions compared to a lot of the other players. You grew up in the London area, which is a great yeah. tradition in the amateur game. What was yeah. the scene like in London at that time? The thing is, I was born in London, but I didn't really grow up in London. I just grew up just outside of London. Right. And um, the club that I played at, there was a lot of good club players. That There wasn't uh, many pros. There wasn't any pros, actually. Uh, there had been pros before, but they had come and gone. But... Um, the club that I played at, that most of the players they played at a good standard, so that's where I really picked up my game from playing these guys. So you were just outside the city then? Did you spend much time in London? All my up? family in London. Yeah, we just lived outside because London's just too busy. Yeah, and outside London is nice and relaxed. It's like literally, it's like a ten minute drive from London. Right. Do you know what I mean? So, so you turned yeah. pro two thousand and thirteen, getting onto the tour at quite a young yeah. age. How did you find, even aside from the matches, just the whole experience of being around the venues at that time? So basically, uh, I finished number one in the under twenty ones in England. I'd never ever played any tournament to turn professional, so I, I wouldn't have a clue like what kind of standard they played at. Obviously, we knew the junior level was it was quite high, so I went to China to play in the world on the 21s and that was like my first feel that to, to see what it could be like because obviously many players had won that turned professional and they've gone on to have good careers and um, funny enough a lot of the players that played in that tournament now like Xing Tong mm. like um, I remember playing him in the quarters he's gone on to very yeah, big things yeah. yeah and I remember giving him a good beating as well <laughs> and like Zhu Yulong Lu Ning all these guys they're all there and this is my first time ever playing in this kind of environment so we saw, like, what the hype was about with China. You know what I mean? We was always, the, the players that, it was me um, and two other players from England that went over there. And these guys, they all played, like, the same level as us, but they, were, they had a couple more years. Uh, they were much younger than, they were only a couple of years younger than us. So obviously, once we played, once I played that, um, I went into Q school straight away to see... Like, obviously, this is now it really means. And funny enough, that my first ever Q school, first event, I turned professional. Yeah. So that was... Uh, that must have given you mad. a lot of belief as well. I always had belief, you know what I mean? Because obviously, you, when, you, when you're playing in the juniors, and um, that time the junior wasn't... It, it was still quite high. When you're playing with the juniors and you're playing in the other amateur events, I remember I was in the final of the English amateur. Mm. Um, so I was, in, I was in the final of the English under-21s at the time. So when, I, when I'm in the final of these, like I knew that I was close nearabouts but I didn't really know where my game where, where it actually stands so everything was just like a if it was just like a free roll for me to be honest 
So the first year on the circuit then, 2013 to 14, what was that like being a pro now? Yeah, it's, you know, this is, this is, there is a huge misconception about turning professional because our dream is to become professional, but that's like, it's like 5% of the journey. Do you know what I mean? Literally 5% of the journey. So mean- when I turned professional my first time, yeah. I'm thinking, you know, like, I've got. I could have a very good future ahead of me. Do you understand? Because I'm thinking, first time, 19, still quite young. I'm winning a couple of matches. It was very nervous. Like I was very like nervous because I just wanted to play my game. And obviously, when you're growing up, seeing players on TV, and then you're all of a sudden you're playing with them, you're playing against them. Like it, it all happened too quick. If you know what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't really have time to soak it in, and and uh, I think back then it meant too much for me so it's a case of becoming a professional officially is one thing but actually living the life you've dreamed of is is something very different of course that seems to be what you're saying yeah when you're turning professional and especially like i'm young so i'm young i'm kind of like a london boy so we have that like confidence do you Mm -hmm. know what i mean so i've turned professional off my first bat you get complacent do you understand? You think you're better than what you are. That's where you really need proper guidance. Do you understand? You need really, you need someone there to help you mature into a better player. And when you are at that age, I don't know. I don't see it with the with the Chinese players or the overseas players. I, I see it with the players here in England. Maybe I don't know. It's maybe because of the way we've been brought up. I don't know. But when they come over, they they they're much different to us. Maybe we think, well, not we, let's, let, let me speak about myself. Maybe we're taking it, we're thinking we're better than what we are. Um, too much confidence, which is no good, because all of a sudden you, 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 you feel like you can beat anyone, but you have no track record. So you give yourself like a false, um, like a false, like... Sense of security. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. sense of security, I would say, yeah. So yeah, it's tough. It it was tough, but it was great as well because you're living part of your dream. You're hitting some of your targets in life, but then when you obviously get used to being playing on the tour, you're thinking, no, this isn't. You don't want to just be making numbers up and playing on the tour and falling off, falling, coming back on. It's, that's not life. It's not enjoyable. So yeah. You got a few wins, as you said, in that first season, and yeah. obviously then you want to kick on in the second mm. year of your card. But it went the other way, didn't it? The second year was yeah. really tough. Yeah, yeah. I, rem- I remember my first season. I, I was pl- I was playing Bingham in. Uh, I'm three new up, and I'm, I remember. I, was, I think I was three new up or three one up. I can't remember, but I was on fifty nine to beat him. And I'm just thinking, like, I've only played a couple of matches on tour. I don't know if this was my first year or second year. It was so long ago. But I remember this match specifically kind of derailed my season because mm-hmm. um, I'd never played a top 16 player at the time. So this was my first time. And when I'm like 3 new up, 3-1 up, I'm thinking, flipping on, man. It's not as hard as what people said. And then all of a sudden, I lost that. I had 59. I remember having 59 in that frame, losing that frame and losing the match. And I was just like, wow. But it just, that's what I'm saying, overconfidence got the better of me at the time lack of maturity i would say 
You showed quite a bit of maturity, though, when you mm. did drop off, because it takes a bit of character to get straight back on a year later, which you did. So mm. in your second stint on tour, did you feel better equipped? Had you learned a lot from the first I, time I, around? I did. I, I definitely did. I did feel like, OK, my first two years, I, I'm going to um, put that as like apprenticeship, learning a trade. Now I need to really start like producing the goods. And then back in your old ways, falling back into your old routines and yeah, didn't I haven't really given it my all that I could look back and say, Yeah, do you know what? I've 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 applied myself properly and I've because of every year it's, it's it's the same it's happening it's the same things happening over and over again so it's been it's not um this is all of my own doing getting too comfortable and not really focusing like on my game as I should have do you mean in terms of putting in the hours of practice um, or more your yeah, mental approach yeah definitely uh definitely the practice I could have done much more I practice, but in this game, it's not about quantity; it's about mm. quality. So, I, I I feel like I could have definitely practiced with more quality, like to improve my game. Like just going into the club, it doesn't matter if you're doing six hours, eight hours, ten hours. If it's not quality practice, it's not going to improve your game at all. And uh, this is the thing where, like I said again, guidance is a. Uh, it's a it's a huge part in someone's career. Now, my my parents, my dad especially, like he's guided me as much as he can, but he can't sit there babysit me in a snooker club. Do you understand? Mm. So, um, this is where you need other people, maybe more more experienced people, to come and like help the younger guys mature into a better player, and a better man. But you need the people that can help you are the only successful people. People that have achieved what they've wanted to achieve in life, so they actually know what you need to go through to get to where you want to be. Do you understand? And has there been anyone that there, you've there tried ha- to there, work there with? There have been there 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 has been many people like um like my 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 first sponsor Steve Bothwell, like he's he's helped me a lot, and and then my my other when I turned professional, my other sponsor Abdul Salam, they these guys they had businesses. Do you understand? So mm-hmm. they really help me understand what needed to be put in like into something in life if you want to get the maximum return so yeah the, like I, I've definitely learned a lot but it's all well and good learning but you have to apply what you learn once you soak the knowledge in you have to apply that knowledge into your everyday life and because we're all stuck in a lot of us like I'm talking probably like a lot of people they're all stuck in their own ways they're too comfortable in their zone and they can't walk like they can't come out of that comfort zone to go and push themselves because they're already they're they're a little bit comfortable and they know that if they walk out of that box it could really it could that they could take two two steps back instead of one step back and two steps forward they could take two steps back and that could put like a false sense of security in their head and that's what i think that's what's been the case for me because snooker meant so much well, let's talk about some of the good moments you've had. Yeah. You almost <laughs> got to the Crucible a few years yeah. ago. You had a great result against Ricky Walden, always hard to beat in world qualifying. You ended up in the final round, and it looked like you were going to get blown away by Rory yeah. McLeod. You made a great fight of it in the end, though. Mm. Yeah, that was a... Uh, wow, these are, they were 
I remember I was seven nil down mm. in that match, and I remember specifically two of them frames out of the, out of the seven that like Rory's pulled out great dishes, sixty behind. You know what I mean? I'm never sitting like. <laughs> I like Roy, he's a good guy, but he's pulled out some worldy dishes and that put me, really put me on the back foot. But even going into that match, I'm so confident that, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to the Crucible because obviously I've had a couple of good results and I was playing quite well. And um, like, again, you start late and it's always hard to catch up. But I pulled it back, mid-session came. I remember 7-0 down, 7-2, come back in the evening. Nick the first full frame, 7-6. Mid-session came, perfect time for him, bad time for me because I'm in the rhythm. And then the next frame, I remember it was a, it was a long battle. He's gone 8-6, then 8-7, 9-7, 10-7. Yeah, that could have been another moment. Like I, f- I feel like if I would have taken these chances, my, my career would have gone in a different way because obviously when you hit them milestones, you're going to be very confident. And uh, yeah, but... It is what it is. Just still here. <laughs> yeah, and still with yeah. plenty of time to try to make it to the Crucible. And you've had some good runs and ranking mm. events. You've had a couple of last 16s. The British Open last year, you beat some very good players along the way and then got beaten by Dave Gilbert, who was on the crest of a wave yeah. at the time in the last 16. It was a shorter format, that, but that shows the importance of tournaments like that. It gives guys like you a chance yeah. to maybe get some results and give yourself something mm. to build on. Yeah, definitely. I think these shorter formats help a lot of a lot of lower ranked players because um like you can buzz quickly in a best of seven, best of five, whatever. Let's say best of seven. Uh like when you're playing the longer formats you can run out of steam. But um yeah, the shorter formats it, it does help. It gives us a good chance to try and establish ourselves as players. You must have felt at that stage, having done well there, that you could go on and have more yeah. good results last season. Yeah. So how was the rest of the last campaign for you? Every time, it's just complacent. You just get complacent. You, like, like you, get, you just... Uh, like you have, like that was at the beginning of the season, so you're thinking, OK, you've not played great, but you, you're still pulling out some results. So you feel like, OK, this season could be the season where that you've been yearning for. And then, um, yeah, it's just you got to stay on the ball literally throughout the whole season. And that season, I was going back and forth to Uzbekistan. I must have went about six, seven times in that season, back and forth in between tournaments. And um, But I think that that's what's helped me a lot, like, to cope. But even though I haven't, I didn't really progress from that season, like, you, you because the seasons, it, sometimes it can feel so long when you have these gaps in between tournaments... Um, this is where some players stay on the ball and the others take their eye off the ball. Do you understand? So you can't just be dedicated at tournaments. It's got to be your whole yeah. life. Yeah, of it? course. Yeah. Your whole life has to be has to be uh, given to the sport. If you want to achieve great things in life or in this game, you have to literally you have to dedicate your whole life uh, to the sport. Like Muhammad Ali once said, like you'd rather live. Um, He'd rather work hard now and then live the rest of his life like a champion after. Mm. So, which makes sense. You understand? His first 40 years of his life, he's just grafting. He's not enjoying. Like, he's just working, fighting, working, fighting, working, fighting, eat, sleep, fight. That's all he's doing. You know, his peak years, when you're in your 30s, that's like your peak years. 
you're mostly energetic and you're strong. He's the, he was there training, and when he's hit his forties, that's when he started to slow down, started to enjoy his life. And I think that's a that's one thing that as a as a sportsman that we have to uh, consider. You mentioned Uzbekistan there. It's mm. somewhere you've been spending a lot of time. Why is that? Uh, so my wife's from Uzbekistan. My oh, daughter's right. um, born in Uzbekistan as well. My first child I had last year. So, and I got married last year as well. So is um, is it last year or this year? I can't remember. But uh, yeah, my my life is there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and y- you got stuck there at one stage. I didn't did you? get stuck there. I got stuck there um, at the before Q school last year. It feels so long ago, but it's only last year. Mm. Yeah, I got stuck there. I remember with the flights. I just about made it in time for Q school. So yeah, it's it's quite a bizarre journey. But you were there for quite some time, weren't you? Trying to get out. Yeah, I I, I remember my connection flight. I was from uh, I fly I. F- I was supposed to come back on the 12th of May. I flew from Uzbekistan to Istanbul and it was Istanbul to Heathrow, but my flight at he- uh, Istanbul got cancelled because that day they announced another lockdown. Oh, so right. I got to Istanbul, my flight's been cancelled, so I had to go back to Uzbekistan and then try and get a flight back to London. But then, because Turkey had been put on the red list, I couldn't fly back from Turkey because I would have to quarantine for two weeks and I would miss Q school. So I went back to um, Uzbekistan, and I think I came via Russia to to uh, England. A long route to the Q school, for yeah. sure. We'll talk more about your career and your life in a moment, but we have a little thing called the Quick Fire Round, which mm. is just a bit of fun. We ask you a few yeah. questions about yourself. Favourite type of music? Um, Nasheeds. What's that? So it's basically, uh, there's no instruments. It's just oh, like right. vocal, and it's uh, yeah. There's that's like another. It's like a brand of music. What part of the world would that come from? Uh, it's Arabic. It's Turkish. Yeah, it's mostly Arabic, Turkish. Maybe French. it depends where the artist is from. It could be French. Best place you've been on holiday? Uh, probably. I've been so many places. I don't even know. Qatar was good. Favourite movie? You're a movie guy? I am. Um, I like the Thanos, the last one. Avengers, Endgame. That was right. good. The ideal way for you to spend a day off? Uzbekistan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Catch a flight and I'm going there. Yeah. But when you're there, when you're, when you're at home in Uzbekistan with your, uh, your wife and your child, yeah. I know myself, the yeah. child takes up all the time. Anyway, yeah. it, it's good because it's just relaxing. I don't need to think about anything else. Family's number one. And players on tour you're friendly with? Um, quite friendly with most of the players. Uh, I don't have like specific players, but uh, yeah, I'm not going to Someone who gets you. on with everyone. Yeah, I get yeah. on with yeah, pretty yeah. much everyone, yeah. You can witness world-class snooker in Edinburgh from the 28th of November to the 4th of December at the Bet Victor Scottish Open. Defending champion Luca Brussel will be aiming to keep a hold of the Stephen Hendry Trophy at the Meadowbank Sports Centre. But a star-studded cast, including Scotland's four-time world champion John Higgins, will have their own title aspirations. Tickets are selling fast, so act now and get yours at wst.tv forward slash tickets. I read somewhere a 
about you being a Muslim. Yeah, correct. Muslim, yeah. And you said that actually that's been really helpful to you. Of course. In sort of way. So yeah. explain to us why that's been helpful to it's, you. It's been my guidance to life. I'm a, I'm a London boy growing up in London. You know what I mean? I'm not one of the boys sitting at home. Even going in, like all my friends, they're like hanging out on the streets, uh, playing football, playing this, playing that. I grew up around like a lot of my like my like a lot of my english friends they they had single mums to understand mm. and uh what helped me was me being a muslim because it would restrict me from doing certain things where these guys could do anything and that would restrict me and they these guys took a different path in life and obviously i could have easily followed so you 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 are your friend circle your whatever your friends do especially growing up you're going to take that path but being a muslim it's helped me, it's, it's, it's guided me in the right direction. And when you were maybe about eight or nine years of age, yeah. it probably wasn't an easy time to be a Muslim in the West. No, it wasn't, no. But a lot of my friends were like English, like white guys. Do you know what I mean? So I had, and um, so I always had, like I always had close, close-neck friends around my, my neighbourhood in my area. So I always had support of other people and they always had big brothers that would support me because of their little brother hanging with me. Do you understand? So it wasn't easy, but that's the way we've been brought up. And uh, yeah, you've got to stand your ground. <laughs> We're just going back to your career then, Hamad. You're talking about the reasons why you feel you haven't done as well as you might have liked to do. Now, it would be a shame to realise those things at the age of, say, 45. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, you're still young enough that you can turn yes. things around. So, no. what's it going to take to give you that kick to change these things? This that is you've the season. This season, I'm gonna. Look, I don't want to jinx myself. Do you know what I mean? But I feel like this season might be, might be the start to many more great seasons. And why is that? What's what's? Going I to just be feel like I'm I'm practicing more. Right. Um, what kind I'm of definitely practice? becoming more dedicated. Mm. Like like I said, I don't want to jinx myself because I'm trying to practice as much as I can. Like pretty much played every day seven days a week and uh yeah i feel like this season could be the one and what's what's your practice set up do you work with other players or just on your own so growing up i played a lot on my own and that's affected me as i've become older because i just find it really boring simple i just like playing people i'd rather i could play someone all day so I was. Um, I had some good sessions with Selby. I had, some, had a session with Bingham the other day. Like I can play all day with someone. I can have four or five sets, no problem. But if I'm practicing by myself, that's that's where I'm really pushing myself. Uh, it doesn't come enjoyable. A couple of hours is fine, but if I'm doing more, like it's just like a real push for me. Um, so I I tend to enjoy playing players mm. rather than doing solo. But when you're playing, like the last week, I played someone every day. And then I realized I really need a couple hours solo by myself. And um, obviously, once you have, when you feel like you need your solo, then it becomes more enjoyable. But when you're playing solo every day, this is where I, I, I kind of lose the love and hunger. But when you're playing someone, this is where the, the light is ignited again. You've been on and off the tour a number of times, as we mm. alluded to earlier. Do you think... What it's going to take for you is just one good season. If you could get it together, just for one good season. run, or even I was going to say maybe even one good tournament, <laughs> one good tournament, one good tournament, and yeah. I feel like, like I feel like I'm trapped. Do you understand? Mm. And I need to just open that door 
so I can just go straight. And you've had some good results. You've mm. beaten George, haven't you? You've had a yeah, few good wins. Yeah, I've had a few good results. That was years ago as well. But as uh, I've had, I have, I have had some good results in the past. But I just need. It's like you have to. It's no good. Like one result. It, it's just a win at the end of the day. That's what I'm saying. I need a run. I need mm. a good run. You need to build off the back of of one of these uh, good results. And one, if you if you can build off the back of one of these good results and go deep in a tournament, that's when you that's when you become more confident. Mm. So um, yeah, that's what I'm, I'm. My plan is this this season. And being a dad now as well, and having extra responsibilities, and wanting to give your daughter something yeah. to enjoy. I mean, that that's got to help you the focus thing, as well. Of course, I absolutely love it. But the, like, obviously, a lot of play, a lot of people in life, they're saying like, when you have a child and you have a wife, it's more pressure, like producing i don't like for me personally i don't feel it that way do you understand i feel like because it's something that i've been yearning for for years like, i told my mum when i was in my early 20s like find me someone to marry i want to get married like, early 20s do you understand so and i've always wanted kids so now it's kind of happened i'm this is like a relief like i don't have to think about snooker no more like snooker's not number one no more for me and that's the best way to that's be, That's the isn't best it? way. Yeah. Have the dedication, but have yeah. recognise like, that other like, things are You know what I mean? Yeah. If I've had a bad day at snooker, I don't need to go home and be sad. I can just call my daughter and that's it. It's just yeah. like happy days. And if you can get it all together and it sounds like you're finding a bit of determination mm. now, how far can you go in the game? How good can you be? I believe I can go pretty far. I believe I can go... I don't set limits. And um, I think... I, like I said, I just need to, like, I believe what I can do, but there's no good talking about it if you're not producing the goods. I need to produce the goods. I need to produce the results and go far. I need to start winning tournaments mm. because I believe what I can do, but it's, everyone has their own views, right? And I don't want to um, give myself, like, false dreams. But I, I feel like the game that I have, if I can just tighten it up and play some mature performances now and then I can go very far in the game the big question finally Hamid mm. where's all your hair gone you used to have this fine head of yeah. hair no I still uh, I still got it I still got it yeah. but there's a lot that's less going as well yeah, yeah 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 definitely my mum she didn't like it she didn't like me having long hair and uh, my wife as well <laughs> she doesn't like it so um, yeah unfortunately the women got to keep them happy so yeah well, yeah. And it's less maintenance, much better. It's easier. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe it's a new look for a new you, and, and we're into it. a new season. And we look forward to finding out how you get on. It's been really interesting talking to you today. Thanks, very Thanks much. so much for joining Cheers. us on the World Snooker Tour podcast. Thank you. Cheers. Next time on the World Snooker Tour podcast, a wonderful chat with the one and only Ken Doherty about the road he took to become world champion, what life has been like since those days, and how he stopped Stephen Hendry from winning a sixth successive title at the Crucible. A quarter of a century ago. I knew we sort of didn't like playing me because, you know, I was patient, I was dogged. Uh, I knew I wasn't going to outscore him. I knew I couldn't outscore him. Nobody could because he was the best scorer in the game. So why take him on in that game? I knew I couldn't outpot him because he was one of the best long potters that we'd ever seen. Uh, but I knew I could, I could break his game down. I could play really good safety, uh, tactical play take my 40s and 50s. I mean, I never made a century break in that final. Mm -hmm. He made five. So that's coming up next time on the World Snooker Tour podcast. And don't forget our bonus content, the 147.
rounding up the week's snooker headlines in 147 seconds, out every Tuesday and available to download at wst.tv. Until next time, thanks so much for listening and goodbye.